SBS, a world of difference. You're with NITV Radio, on mobile, online and on radio. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land NITV Radio broadcasts from, the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation and their elders past and present. We also acknowledge all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander tribes and clans we broadcast to, from the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water. Yama, and welcome to NITV Radio. Coming up in your program this Monday, July 7, Gama, Australia's largest indigenous cultural gathering, is about to wrap up its 2023 edition in northeast Arnhem Land. In the program today, we'll be joined by Priti Jabal of SBS Hindi to give us a feel of the festival, arguably the biggest Gama festival ever. Also on NITV Radio today, we have a conversation with Auntie Jill Gallagher as she raises awareness about bowel cancer, the second most lethal condition in the country. Auntie Jill is taking the opportunity to encourage mob to get screened for bowel cancer as the illness is easily treatable if detected early. In the program today, we also hear how FIFA is yet to allocate money from the World Cup Legacy Fund for First Nations programs. All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news. Bertrand Tungandami, I am Bertrand Tungandami. Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy erected outside Parliament. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came. I am sorry. Tactics of the No Campaign for Indigenous Voice to Parliament criticised. Revelation, the West Australian government about to scrap its newly adopted Aboriginal cultural heritage law. And move to crack down on tax advisor misconduct. The Shadow Minister for Indigenous Australians, Jacinta Price, has criticised the Albanese government's Indigenous Voice to Parliament referendum. She says the Prime Minister has ignored any advice and has refused to adopt a bipartisan approach, such as splitting the referendum into two questions, one about recognition and another about legislation, legislating a voice to Parliament. If he's happy to drop the referendum, well, that'd be good. Leave it alone. Uh, make constitutional recognition uh, an issue for another day, perhaps. Maybe legislate a model of a voice and demonstrate to the Australian people that it can be effective. Uh, if, if any of those things are on the table, perhaps we might listen. But otherwise, I say good luck to the Prime Minister at this stage. Prime Minister Antony Albanese has ignored claims the success of the referendum is unlikely, saying there's a long way to go before Australians enter the ballot box. 
Former National's MP Andrew Gee says if the conservative side of politics continues to campaign negatively against the voice, they risk alienating large sections of voters. Mr Gee quit the Nationals because of the party's stance on the upcoming referendum on the indigenous voice to parliament. Speaking on a panel at Gama, the Yolnu Cultural Festival held in northeast Arnhem Land, Mr. Gee criticized the methods of the conservative side, warning if the referendum failed, the coalition would risk losing more seats to independents. If the conservative side of politics thinks that opposing the voice in the way that they are, in, for example, labeling the voice Orwellian or saying that it's going to re-racialise Australia. If people think that is the way to political salvation, they've got rocks in their head. Support for constitutionally enshrined Indigenous voice to Parliament appears to have dropped below 50% in every state and territory and remains ahead of the no vote in only two states. This is according to a news poll, a news poll demographic analysis published by the Australian Today. However, there are also people who are still undecided on their vote. Independent Senator Jackie Lambie told Channel 9 there needs to be an alternate plan for Indigenous Australian communities if the referendum fails. You know, there's no reason why we need to be um, sitting here stagnant and we can't be rolling things out while the voices, um, while this voice uh, situation is going on. So we're ready whether it gets up or down. What is your plan of attack? Mm. Are you going to sit at the table for the next two years without putting anything into these communities? What are you doing? But mm. something I think, you know, someone needs to have a plan of attack here, either way, whether it goes up or down. The West Australian government says a final decision about changes to its controversial cultural heritage laws can be expected soon. It comes amid reports the government plans to scrap the month-old legislation. Deputy Premier Rita Safioti says the government has continued to consult with stakeholders and denies the federal government had pressured it to abandon the new laws. According to the West Australian, the Labor government foreshadowed a backflip on the, a backflip on the legislation at a briefing with resources companies and indigenous groups last Friday. Ms Safioti says no final decision has been reached and no option has been ruled out. Independent Till MP Katie Cheney has introduced the Restoring Trust Bill, which looks to improve political transparency. The bill has 13 reforms with broad support from the crossbench. It proposes a host of changes, including revealing who is funding a candidate, real-time disclosure of all political donations over $1,000, as well as banning lies in political campaigns. The bill also bans political donations from what Ms. Cheney described as social harm industries such as tobacco, alcohol and gambling in a bid to ensure decisions are made in the interest of Australians. Ms. Cheney says the bill extends upon the work of the National Anti-Corruption Commission. Now you won't see this bill coming from the major parties. Uh, they are keen to maintain the status quo, protect their funding sources and reduce political competition. The crossbench has a proud history of holding government to account and changing the conversation on political reform. 
The government will introduce new provisions to strengthen tax laws to prevent scandals like the PricewaterhouseCoopers League. The government will implement remaining recommendations from the independent review of the Tax Practitioners Board, while the Treasury Department will review penalty and secrecy laws. Senator Deborah O'Neill, who has been central to uncovering information about the PwC tax leak, says the government has responded appropriately to the findings. I'm really, really pleased to see that the work of the Treasurer, the Finance Minister, the Attorney General and the Assistant Treasurer have collectively determined a response to what Australians rightly have been disgusted by uh, in terms of the PwC behaviour. Certainly taking confidential information from Australian citizens and sending that information into a product to be, profit, uh, to be profited from by PwC and then sending it to the US as Project North America was an egregious breach of trust with the Australian people. Health Minister Mark Butler says the government is determined to deliver confidence to the community pharmacy sector as cheaper medicines are introduced. From September 1, millions of patients living with an ongoing health condition will be able to receive twice the medication for the cost of a single prescription. The Liberal Party and pharmacy lobby are critical of the move, saying aged care residents and older Australians will bear the extra costs for pharmacies. But Mr Butler says the government is committed to reinvesting money saved from the new measure, as well as an additional $350 million investment for pharmacy services delivered in residential aged care. The health minister also took aim at what he described as scare campaigns by the Liberal Party and the pharmacy lobby. Pharmacy lobby and the Liberal Party have, have tried to scare vulnerable aged care residents that they would have to pay extra because of this measure to save um, 6 million patients uh, from having to get their, pharmacy, their, their prescription filled every single month. Uh, this is a cynical scare campaign from the pharmacy lobby that should be rejected. An investigation centre has been established following a tragic house fire in Queensland's Russell Island that killed a father and his five children. Detective Superintendent Andrew Max. Andrew Massingham is Regional Crime Coordinator for the Brisbane region and says the centre has been established after it was found some elements of Sunday's fire require closer scrutiny. He says it is yet to be determined whether or not the fire should be treated as suspicious, but a crime scene has been declared. That I tell you that we are keeping an open mind with respect to this matter and as I say no determination has been made. But there are some aspects of it that require further investigation. Um, the elements that need further uh, investigational clarification must remain confidential at this time as there are a number of persons yet to be interviewed and versions taken. A new monitoring system is to be established in Victoria's hospitals after there was found to be a sharp rise in preventable deaths and serious harm, particularly in children. Victoria recorded 240 sentinel events in 2021 to 222, an event where an unexpected incident results in death or serious physical or psychological harm to a patient as a result of system and process deficiencies. This was a 43% increase on the year before when 168 events were recorded. The rise has prompted the state government to create Safer Care for Kids, a family-led support service to improve the treatment of children in emergency care.
Safer Care for Kids is designed to give parents and carers an alternative pathway to raise concerns if they feel they are not being listened to. The New South Wales government is investing $5.8 million into providing housing for women and children across New South Wales who are fleeing domestic and family violence. The funding will go towards the development of 11 units with services on site to support those fleeing domestic violence. New South Wales Minister for the Prevention of Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault, Jody Harrison, says there will be accommodation for more than 2,900 women and children leaving family and domestic violence every year by 2026 when all three tranches of the crisis accommodation are expected to be rolled out. It's a really innovative model because it provides wraparound services to women and children on site, but as I said, importantly... Importantly, this will provide independent living where women and children who are leaving family domestic violence can have the dignity and the independence on site and they can live in their own places. And to sport, a mural celebrating the Matildas has been unveiled at Sydney's iconic Bondi Beach Sea Wall. The mural was painted by internationally acclaimed artist Danielle Weber and designed by Football Australia creative manager Ryan Osso. Daniel Weber says the painting took over 100 year hours to complete. She says it's an honour to celebrate the Matildas through this art. In a male-dominant industry, uh, their stories resonate with me and I think what more than to create a beautiful mural, mural to celebrate them. But I think it's a beautiful way to connect to the audience and connect to their fans uh, and also just inspire people across the country. The Matildas are up against Denmark tonight in their first qualifying match of the tournament. Australia will be through to the quarterfinals if they secure a victory. And now having a look at the weather around the country, Broome, sunny, 31 degrees, Perth, partly cloudy, 23, Adelaide, partly cloudy as well, 16 degrees, Melbourne, similar conditions, 15, Hobart, cloudy, 15, Albury-Wodonga, sunny, 16, Canberra, partly cloudy, 16, Wollongong, partly cloudy as well, 17 degrees, Sydney, showers, 18, Newcastle, scattered showers, 17, Brisbane, possible shower, 23, Townsville, mostly sunny, 26, Cairns, similar conditions, 25, Alice Springs, sunny 23, Darwin, sunny 32, and the Torres Strait Islands, partly cloudy day ahead and a top of 28 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News. NITV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1pm or anytime online. You're listening to NITV Radio and I'm Bertrand Tungendame, your host today. Coming up next, conversation with uh, Auntie Jill Kala, encouraging mob to get tested for bowel cancer. As you'll hear, brilliant Westwood Islander Australians lag behind the rest of the population when it comes to bowel cancer screening. A move that saves lives because if uh, detected early, bowel, bowel cancer is uh, easily treatable. Also, it has been revealed FIFA is yet to allocate money from the World Cup Legacy Fund for First Nations program. And this is hindering development of First Nations participation in the world game. But first, we head to Northeast Arnhem Land where the 2022 Gama Festival is in full swing. Oh, 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 
Festival is Australia's largest indigenous cultural gathering. The 2022 edition started last Friday on July 4 and is about to wrap up its proceedings. Priti Jabal of SBS Hindi is reporting from remote northeast Arnhem Land where Gama 2023 is taking place. I caught up with her as the festival was in full swing on days one and two over the weekend. Priti Jabal says 2023 is said to be the biggest Gama festival ever, though the full number of participants is yet to be revealed. I can't particularly at this point of time give you the exact numbers, but it suffices to say there's a lot of people here. There's a lot of diversity of people in terms of geography and demographics. And that, I think, is what makes us the Eskama so, so unique as a festival. There are people from indigenous groups, media, corporate, performers, leaders, even regulars and inquisitives, as we call them. And, and apparently more than 110 volunteers at this stage. So quite a lot of people here all ready to listen and learn. And uh, the highlight of day one was uh, Prime Minister Antonio Albanese's uh, speech. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, his intervention at uh, Gama 2023? It was a much-anticipated presence, of course. Uh, and he was brought in with the, with the bungo and a traditional welcome. He actually didn't get to say much at the opening ceremony because the ceremony was mainly dedicated to Bungo and the traditional welcome. And it was a very emotional ceremony. At one stage, you could see a lot of people tear up for the emotion as well. But in terms of the announcements that were made around that time was the $6.4 million in funding for the new education facility in Arnhem Land. The funding will support some tertiary and vocational education. So that's what uh, facilities in Arnhem Land. And that was the main announcement done. He actually came before his opening ceremony. He met the Dilak Council. Yeah, the Dilak Council is uh, central to actually Gama itself. That's right. So it's a clan leadership structure and it brings together the senior cultural leaders of about 13 indigenous clan groups in a formal decision-making body. And it, that body is now formally recognized by the government. So the Prime Minister met them prior to when he came yesterday. And the, the real, the actual speech was today, the keynote address, and we will go into that once we get to today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I gather you've got uh, with you some uh, guests who I believe uh, are able to give us also a feedback on now their participation in this uh, great event. Yes, we've been lucky enough to find Patricia McCormica from Cairns, who is very happy to share her experience, and this is her first Gama experience. Um, so I will just move to Patricia now. Patricia, thank you for joining us. How has your experience been so far? It's been excellent. It wasn't quite as I expected, but I've enjoyed every bit. I've, I found the for- on the forums um, really um, eye-opening, um, how the younger people decide what they want to do in the future how they're, and how they communicate so clearly with, with the um, audience. So that was really, I suppose, one of the highlights of, of yesterday and, and also the the family of Gunapindu um, attending. Um, and I also enjoyed the the ceremony that was yesterday afternoon. I think I was probably expecting more of that uh, than, than I saw. 
Um, but I, I, as I say, the, the forums and that have been really good and the speeches have been excellent. I, I didn't expect as much of that, of that part of it. But certainly the enthusiasm that all the performers have is just, is just great. And uh, everybody here has been so welcoming. Everybody's so friendly. Um, I arrived late on Thursday night in the dark, but everybody was so helpful to find the tents and, and get it sorted out. And then they started Friday. Um, yeah, it was, was great. Everybody's been so friendly. I'm sort of on my own here. But I haven't had. I've always had someone to sit with at meal times, and everybody's made sure that you know everybody's happy. You know, so no, it's been good. I gather you're from Keynes. What made you go to this event? And well, um, well um, I'm, you can probably hear my accent. I'm English, and I actually retired over here. I, back in the 70s, I was a teacher, and I came over to Australia and taught in Bamaga. I taught Aboriginal children in Bamaga in the 70s and I've always had a liking for the Aboriginal um, dances and the and the community. So I saw the Gama Festival on the news last year and I thought that's somewhere, if I'm around, I will try and get tickets. And I, I didn't think I would be lucky enough to get tickets and a flight from Cairns, but I, I did. So I, I'm here and uh, loving every minute of it. Because I've lived most of my life in England, I enjoy trying to learn more about the Australian culture, Aboriginal and other cultures. So you're missing out a lot if you don't actually mix with Aboriginal and Torres Strait people. But in Cairns, we're, we're pretty lucky that we have a mixture of, of people. Whereas some areas, I don't think they see many people who are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders. Yeah. Thank you, Patricia. Really appreciate your time with us and, and your experience. Um, Patrant, yes. you want to continue? Yes, uh, let's uh, have uh, a wrap of day two of our gamma. So before the day two, I must say that there's been something remarkable here in terms of the, the temperature and the weather. It's a dry season, right? But it's actually been raining. Not a lot, but enough for the dust to settle. And so that's been really good. Um, that's helped, you know, all the way when we come down, we drive down from Nolanboy, which is about 45 minutes drive. That whole path of red dust is well settled for us to drive in and out, which has really helped. Um, so that to me was quite remarkable personally. But uh, talking about day two and taking from where Patricia left, it was a lot about the keynote address that the prime minister made this morning. Before that address, there were speeches by a lot of leaders, including Denise Bowden, who is the CEO of Youth E&D, um, who are foundation, and they have organized this event. And uh, we also had other EONO leaders. We had uh, Tom, uh, Jack Thompson, who also spoke, the veteran actor and EONO leader. We had um, a very impressive and powerful speech by Java Unifingu, that actually got a standing ovation from the audience. And uh, he talked a lot about Yutu and Yindi and Dua and Yurisha. And he talked about all Australians. The main point of his speech was how Australians are part of their reality, how um, Indigenous people bring into, um, how they were happy to bring the ceremony and life of the people on Togama, uh, and he said that they don't expect 
to know everything. They don't expect the Gama Festival attendees to know everything about uh, the indigenous people, and they don't expect them to be, they, you know, understand every ritual. But we they include them as fellow Australians, and one of the lines that I think got the maximum applause was, "You are in our constitution already." And, uh, yeah, so he was talking about how you, you know, you're not, you are here, and we don't deny the reality of who you are and the life that you live in modern Australia, and we do not deny you. And he ended up saying that he'll be voting yes and voting for his children's future and other children's future, so that we can live side by side. That was going to be my next question because the talk in town, <laughs> well, the talk around the country is about a referendum for voice to parliament. Uh, yes. Have you had with your interaction with the locals and the, with the, all the participants in the in Gama 2023? Have you had a chance to get a feel of how they're perceiving voice to parliament? Well, honestly, there is a very uh, visible yes presence here at the moment, as would be expected in Ghana. And uh, today, one of uh, another powerful speech was by Australian leader and lawyer Noel Pearson, and yeah, he he addressed that packed audience. And he talked about the vote, for, yes, for referendum. He called to the country to take this opportunity and double down on exclusion and ensure that the future generations have a better future. I think the main thing that he was trying to say is things are good today, but they will get better for our children. And he also urged people to read the provision of the referendum and speak to each other about it. So when we go around the Gama Festival, we see a lot of uh, yes presence. And of course, we also have a lot of people who are also in the no bank. Um, the Prime Minister is also was obviously urging people to vote for the yes, and he explained what yes means. And he also said that there's nothing to lose but much to gain and there's no time to waste. Um, and he said that there should be no rejection of the form of recognition that Aboriginal and Torres Island people have requested. But yeah, referendum is definitely one of the big topics here at the moment and I think it'll continue for the next two days. Yeah, no, we'll uh, keep an eye on that. Well, Preeti Jabal, thank you very much for taking the time to give us uh, an expose of what's happening at Gamma 2023. Thank you, Bertrand. I think uh, Gamma will continue tomorrow with lots of music, bungle dancing and events and forums and uh, uh, borders. The theme of Gamma this year, as you know, is Jumbaj which is a you all-know experience and brilliant. And believe me, there are so many ways to experience and imagine that and interpret it. And there are many opportunities for shared experiences, emotional connection and involvement with Indigenous culture. Before I say goodbye, I must quote Denise Bowden, who is the CEO of UCND Foundation. She said to the festival attendees in her welcome to please take in the energy of these four days at Golkola and enjoy your time with Gama. And I completely second that. It's a great place to listen and learn. Thank you, Bertrand. Thanks a lot, Preeti. We look forward to more reporting in the next two days. Thank you. NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook. You just heard uh, Priti Jabal, executive producer of SBS Hindi, reporting from uh, the Gamma Festival over the weekend. We must now step aside for a break, but when we come back, we'll talk about health with Auntie Jill Gallagher as she's raising awareness about bowel cancer and uh, the need for early screening. Also in the program, 
Revelation, FIFA is yet to allocate money from the World Cup Legacy Fund for First Nations programs. Stay tuned. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. You're listening to NITV Radio with me, Bertrand Tungandami. Coming up next, a conversation with Auntie Jill Gala as she raises awareness about uh, bowel cancer and the need for early screening. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Is encouraging Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples aged 50 to 74 across Victoria to stay healthy and strong by doing a free bowel cancer screening test. Welcome to Night TV Radio, Auntie Jill. Thank you for having me again, Bertrand. Now, you're encouraging mob to get tested because bowel cancer is the second biggest cancer killer in the country and one of the most prevalent cancers impacting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples yet. When it comes to screening and uh, the uptake of actually these uh, free screening um, kits, it, yeah, the uptake does not reflect how widespread uh, this cancer is uh, within the community. Yes, and, and you're right. I mean, it's so easy and simple. It's there, it's free, and it's always, Bertram, very, it's always better to be safe than sorry. My call to action from Aboriginal mobs throughout Australia. Um, don't be complacent. Get the kit when it comes to you. Do it and send it back. And some people say to me, some of my own mobs say to me, Bertrand, that it's not, you know, I don't really want to know. I'm too scared. Um, and what if I have it? Well, you know what? My response to my friends and colleagues is that it's best to catch bowel cancer. It's one of the easiest cancers to treat if it's caught early. It's, it's better to catch it early than to catch it later. So I encourage all our mobs to, when you get the free screening kit for bowel cancer, it's private, it's free, and as you said, it's one of the highest cancers impacting on our mobs right across this continent. So please do it. It has to be reminded that uh, bile cancer is uh, a very invasive cancer, yet when screened and uh, diagnosed early, it's uh, highly treatable. Very much so. Um, you know, if you catch bowel cancer very early, then... Your treatment options is amazing and it's one of the cancers that uh, treatment is highly successful. But it's got to be early, Bertrand. It's got to be really early. And um, so those kits, as I said, they're they're free and um, it can save your life, basically, because we know we uh, still have that life expectancy gap in our communities, Bertrand, and we know that, um, you know, our mobs are dying with uh, cancer, whereas non-Aboriginal people are actually living longer. And that's because they access the screening earlier. And that's the the important ingredients here. 
If our mob want to find out more, there is a website, indigenousbowscreening.com.au. Um, and, and also speak with your ACCO or your GP. It's really important that you do that. Yeah. It has to be said that you're not talking here in uh, your capacity as a community member only and uh, a respected elder, but uh, you're talking from a lived experience because you've battled bowel cancer, got treatment, and uh, finally overcame uh, the illness. I certainly did. Mine was a battle, Bertrand, and it shouldn't have been a battle. As I said earlier, if you catch bowel cancer early, the treatment is not that invasive, but mine was advanced. Um, I don't know why I'm still with us today, by the way. I think it was a little bit of um, help higher up. Um, But yeah, but I went through a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, two years of treatments, and that's all because I could have avoided that if I had done my screening when I was supposed to, Bertrand, and I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hence, uh, really, uh, your very, very strong call for people to get screened and not go through what you went through, because had they been, uh, had you had a uh, screening earlier, it could have been detected and the treatment would probably have been uh, shorter than what it took to get back Very, to Very much so. I mean, I, I went through uh, 12 months of chemotherapy and I don't know, you know, in chemotherapy uh, sometimes the treatment is worse than the ailment. And as I said earlier, I think it's a miracle that I'm here talking to you, by the way. Um, I should. They gave me five years to live at the most so um and you know i remember i remember getting the uh bowel screening kit in the post and i just ignored it oh big mistake that, i ignored it that's a big um, mistake yeah and now you're calling on mob not to repeat the same mistake. Uh, before I let you go, what other message would you send out there to the community uh, just uh, to raise awareness about this uh, uh, big, uh, yeah, it's a, how would I call it, a, a big killer in the community? It is a big killer in the community. And, um, um, you know, testing for bowel cancer, as I said earlier, is simple. It is private and it is free. So please do it and don't ignore it and think that it's not going to happen to me because basically that's what I did Um, and that's not what's going to help you. Um, So the only message I can give is the earlier, the better. So do it um, and as I said, it's, um, it's a private, it's simple and it's free. And it could save your life. Auntie Jill Kaha, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio and raising awareness about uh, this uh, illness. People need to get out there and uh, get uh, their tests done and uh, save lives. Thank you, Bertrand, for having me. And I hope the mob listen out there, eh? NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook. Welcome back. Now, Indigenous Football Australia says FIFA is yet to allocate money from the World Cup Legacy Fund for First Nations programs. 
Football Australia insists grassroots community groups will see funding, but so far nothing has been confirmed. Hannah Kwon reports. At 21 years old, Shay Evans has already completed two A-League seasons and represented the young Matildas. She says her John Moriarty Indigenous Football Scholarship has played a big part in that success. I couldn't have done it without them and their support. So, you know, and through school, education, homesickness, um, they've, they've been always there in, in the corner um, supporting me. So, I'm, honestly, I'm very grateful. Moriarty now coaches 2,000 Indigenous children every week in a program costing $3 million annually. They had hoped to benefit from some of FIFA's $357 million Women's World Cup legacy fund. But they say, so far, no money has been set aside for Indigenous-led programs like theirs. The Moriarty Foundation's Managing Director, Ross Moriarty, says it's disappointing. So we have no direct funding from FIFA at all. Uh, We have very little direct funding, almost none, from Football Australia. In fact, I think it's been less than $20,000 in our 11 years of operation for a program that costs us $3 million a year to deliver. And I think the point about these grassroots-led programs, not just ours, but also the Indigenous Roos and Koalas, the national championships, which sit outside, completely outside the system, is that these are the programs that have been in existence. They've been proving their value. We're showing the outcomes. We've got kids into pathways. But really, they should be supported by legacy from a, from a World Cup as huge as this, as significant as this. In two weeks' time, the Women's World Cup and all the excitement that's come with it will be over. But these grassroots groups say the story doesn't have to end there. They want Australia to seize the momentum to secure a future for the next generation of Indigenous footballers. FIFA has been praised for flying First Nations flags and including welcomes to country at matches. Last week, Indigenous Football Australia asked FIFA to back up those shows of support with funding. Former Socceroos captain Craig Foster says the lack of funding is unacceptable. What FIFA and Football Australia are saying is, well, there will be some money afterwards and, uh, you know, let's have that conversation. Well, that's not good enough. It's not good enough for Indigenous Australia. They're the traditional owners of the land on which all of these games are happening and they're being held up as being, you know, at the forefront and, and uh, you know, how much the game respects them and we've got welcomes to country and all of these things. And as good as that is... It's simply unacceptable to then say, well, you know what, guys, we've got all of these legacy projects we need to do and you guys are last. And if we've got a little bit left over afterwards, you know, come and see us. We've moved a long time ago past tokenism and this appropriation of culture. Um, Yeah, we've got to have something behind it. Football Australia denies the Legacy Fund will not include First Nations groups. Its National Indigenous Advisory Group Chair, Jade North, says the issue needs to be examined as a whole. We all have to sit down in the room, talk to each other. How can we better? No one is bigger than Indigenous football, and I'll make that clear. How do we all come together, work together, and, you know, the pie is big enough for everybody. And for me, it's the kids that miss out. That first and foremost, the kids are the ones that miss out. FIFA is yet to publicly confirm exactly how the legacy fund will be allocated. Hannah Kwan, SBS News. Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio. Can't stop me.
Yeah, Unstoppable Baker Boy. And uh, this song, actually, I dedicated to the Matildas. And I hope they're unstoppable tonight when they meet uh, their next adversary so they can move to the next uh, stage of uh, the World Cup. Yeah, the quarterfinals, actually. And uh, that's all from us on NITV Radio this Monday afternoon. NITV Radio will be back on Wednesday with more stories from uh, right across uh, the country. Just to give you a taste of what's coming up in the next programs, we'll continue our coverage of uh, the Gamma Festival 2023. We also talk about the Melbourne International Film Festival, where we've got a lineup of really powerful indigenous uh, films. Also coming up uh, in the next few days, we'll be covering the Darwin Festival as well as the Darwin Aboriginal Art Fair. Well, that's all for today. I'm Bertrand Tungandami, thanking you for your company this uh, Monday afternoon. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu.